All right, we welcome you. This is message number six in our series. We're going through the book of Psalms or select Psalms. We're talking about Psalms that light the way. And this morning, you can see we've entitled the message, Where to Turn When Fear Paralyzes Your Life. Now, I'm sure all of us at some point have been paralyzed by fear. And I was thinking, there's so many stories I can share with you, but I remember when I was just uh, like in seventh grade, my dad threw out to me a dare. He said, Mark, we had just moved to the ranch on Crow Canyon Road, and he said, if you will spend the night, one night, all by yourself in this house, which then was thought to have been haunted, no one was living in it. He said, if you will spend one night alone in that house, I will pay you $100. And back then, that was like 1000 you know what I'm saying? And I was, I wanted to do it, but I still remember to this day I regret, I, I was paralyzed by fear, the thought of doing that, and I am now $100 not as wealthy, you know? <laughs> Check this out. I just read about this man from Cairo, Egypt, this is who woke up in the morgue after being 12 hours in a coma. They thought he was dead. And he was in total darkness, and he discovered that he was resting among the dead. And he cried out for help. Can you imagine? And a paramedic opened the door. The paramedic collapsed in fear and died. Died. That's fear. So what causes you to fear? Did you know that there are over 200 phobias that are listed? There's zoophobia, that's fear of animals. Taphophobia, that's fear of being buried alive. Automisphobia, that's fear of being dirty. Scopophobia, that's fear of being stared at. (laughs) Pediophobia, that's fear of dolls. Dolls kind of freak me out. Panphobia, that, that's fear of everything. Microphobia, that's fear of germs. Parthenophobia, that's fear of girls. Androphobia, just to be equal here, that's fear of men. Osmophobia, that's fear of odors. Autophobia, that's fear of self. I just kept thinking, you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and it's like, ah, you know? I just, that one's just so good. <laughs> Aphidiophobia, that's fear of snakes. Anyone have that? Ergasiophobia. I know what you're thinking, but that's fear of work. Not something else that it sounds like. So what about you? What is it that you fear? Is it uh, strange sounds in the night? Is it fear of witnessing? I mean, sharing your faith with your family, strangers, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of being alone. Is it fear of public speaking? Wow. Is it fear of actually moving? Fear of meeting new people? Fear of a job interview? Fear of having to confront someone. You've been putting this off for months, maybe years. And it's fear that's 
preventing you from doing what you know you need to do. Fear of flying. I mean, we go on and on, right? If we're honest, most of us, probably all of us, have some sort of fear that's lurking in the recessed shadows of our lives somewhere. It's there. One person said this, fear paralyzes us. It keeps us contained, poisons our inner peace and our outward poise, cripples us from becoming all that God wants us to be, keeps us from experiencing God's full blessings in our lives. There is a price to being in fear. The Bible says again and again and again and again and again, do not fear. And we take that command and we compare it to our lives and we realize we struggle in this area. So here's the question. How can we become believers who live with no fear? God says do not fear. When we fear, we're not trusting God. And there's a number of things involved in that. But how can we become courageous? How can we become believers of boldness? How can we live in victory over our fear? And the question we're asking in this whole series, where do you turn when fear paralyzes your life in a certain area? And the answer is turn to Psalm 27. This is the psalm I always take people to, and myself to, when I'm struggling with fear in an area. Now, you can see that this psalm is a psalm of David. David penned this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the very name David should bring to your mind a picture of fearlessness, courageousness. David's life can be summarized with three words, fearless, bold, courageous. This is the David who, as a young teenager, he went up against a giant of the Philistines named Goliath when all Israel stood shaking in their boots in fear. Here's this teenager. Goes against Goliath. This is the David who, upon confronting or, or becoming the king of Israel, after war after war, battle after battle, against staggering odds, he led Israel to victory with fearlessness. David was the greatest king of Israel. He was not without his faults. He had his faults. But fear, that word was not even in his vocabulary. This is God's summary of David's life. Acts 13, 22, you see it in your notes. God said this about David. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Wow. That is a statement of fearlessness. When God says about you, you will do everything I want you to do, that's fearless. That's courageousness. Look at Psalm 27 here. And just look at the first three verses. Let's just read that. This is David. He writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart, it's not going to fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. If you really are honest and you read that, you go, how could someone write that? Someone can write that when they live a courageous life, when they've learned to overcome fear. And that's what we're going to discover this morning. The secrets to courage are revealed in this psalm. And David gives us five steps to overcoming fear. It's kind of a picture, a window into how 
he functioned in his hearts. And if you're going to become a person of courage who's going to have victory over that area that's causing you to fear, you've got to begin to process some things deep in your heart, at least five things. Five steps that David continued to walk in day after day. Five steps for overcoming fear and replacing that fear with courage. This is a powerful psalm. Your life can be transformed if you follow. You follow these five things, you're going to walk in courage. And it doesn't matter what you're facing right now. God will give you courage. Here they are. Number one, first step to overcoming fear, talk to yourself about who the Lord is. Look at verse 1. This is David speaking to himself. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Do you see what David is doing? David is talking to himself. He's reminding himself about who who the Lord is. This is my God, David is saying. Why should I fear? See, the reason we fear is because we feel... We're in darkness. We need salvation. We have no stronghold. And we forget that the Lord is our light, our salvation, and our fortress. We're going to live with fear when we... We're going to live with fear if we don't remind ourselves about who the Lord is. But if we begin speaking to our own hearts, our own soul, about who God is, wow. I mean, what is it that you're fearing right now? Is it a job interview, witnessing, a career change, a physical illness? Fear is overcome when we remind ourselves of who the Lord is in our lives. And David tells us three things about the Lord in verse 1. The Lord is our light, David says. The Lord is my light. You know, that word light, it means the Lord is our revealer. He shines light. He reveals. God is committed to showing us what we need when we need it. You know, when David went to go fight Goliath, do you think God revealed to David beforehand or during the actual fight how David was going to kill Goliath? It was actually during the fight, not before. David went out in boldness into battle because he knew, watch this, God was his light. God was his revealer. God will show me what I am to do to have victory. That was how big David's God is. God will show us the way. He always makes a way. He's our revealer. What Goliath are you facing? Are you telling yourself, God is my revealer? He is the light of my life, and he is. The Lord is our salvation, David said. The Lord, he's my light, and he's my salvation. That means God is my rescuer. He's my deliverer. The Old Testament concept of salvation was that of being rescued from danger to safety. And David was saying, Lord, you're my salvation, you're my rescuer. I will not fear Goliath because you're my salvation. The battle belongs to the Lord. There was a young lady in our ministry years ago who went to Oakland, and she was in her car with the window down, and a man came to her with a handgun literally pointed at her head. And she just, she she told me, she goes, Mark, he wanted to rob me. And I just said, Jesus! And the man literally fled. See, Jesus is our deliverer. Is he your deliverer? Do you have that view of who he is? 
Or are you just trying to take on your own fear on yourself, by yourself? The Lord also, David said, is the stronghold of my life. And that word stronghold means refuge. It's the equivalent to what we would say would be like Fort Knox in Kentucky. I wonder if the guards that work in Fort Knox have any fear of being robbed. No. They're in the midst of one of the greatest strongholds in the world. And so are you. Yes, so are you. If you talk to yourself, remind yourself of who your God is. Your God is your Fort Knox. He will protect you. You see, the difference between David and us is that David believed these truths about God, and he didn't fear. Our problem is we forget these truths about God, and we fear. First step to overcoming fear is to remind yourself daily of who the Lord is. If we have a small God, we're going to have a big fear. If you have a big God, you're going to have little fear. So the question becomes, how big is your God? For David, his God was the God of the Bible. His God was his light and salvation and stronghold. Is your God the God of the Bible? (laughs) Is your God the God who reveals himself in the Bible? And if you continually immerse yourself in who God is, your fear will begin to shrink. David's God was huge. So his fear was little. Second step to overcoming fear. Talk to yourself about the victory the Lord will provide. Now here, David, in verses 2 to 3, he reflects upon three hypothetical situations. And he talks to himself about a certain outcome for each of these situations. Eight times in these two verses that we're going to read in just a second, David uses the personal pronoun me or I. He's talking to himself. Now watch this. You want to overcome fear, you've got to talk to yourself. Now watch this. When you talk to yourself and you know you're talking to yourself, that's a good thing. When you talk to yourself and you have no idea you're talking to yourself, that's scary. But you've got to talk to yourself. It's a spiritual thing. Now look at verses 2 to 3. This is what David says. He says, when the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart's not going to fear. Though war break out against me, even then, I'm going to be confident. Wow. See, the reason we fear is, watch this, we tend to focus on the worst possible scenario. Isn't that the case? David, watch this, refused to go there. Picture one of your fears. Come on, let's get real. What is it that you are most afraid of right now? Is it rejection? Is it loneliness? Is it a health issue? Watch this. Satan loves for us to dwell on two words associated with that fear. What if? What if they laugh at me? What if I fail? What if my company folds? What if my kids are really using drugs? What if this pain that I feel is cancer? What if this plane crashes? You see, fear is overcome when we remind ourselves eight times over, like David does here, that victory belongs to the Lord, that God promises victory. And that's what David is doing in verses 2 to 3. 
Now, I'm not talking here about the power of positive thinking. I'm talking, though, about the power of biblical thinking. There's a huge difference. You want to have victory over fear, you need to begin thinking biblically. Because the reason you're fearing is you are not thinking biblically. You're thinking worst-case scenario, you're falling into Satan's trap. The Bible says we need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Fear begins in the mind. And it's because you're looking at your fear not the way God wants you to look at your fear. You need to start claiming the truths of God's Word, such as, I've given you several verses, Philippians 4.13, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. For some of us, you need to memorize that Scripture. And when the fear comes, you need to throw the Word of God back at that fear. Or Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all your needs, not all your wants, but all your needs, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Or 2 Corinthians 2.14, but thanks be to God who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession. Or Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If the next time that fear begins to well up in your heart, you just memorize these scriptures and you start quoting them, I'm telling you, you're going to have victory over that fear. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who could be against us? Or you can choose not to do that and just let that fear eat your soul. Because some of you, that's how you're living. The enemy is just toying with you. He is having a heyday with you. He loves the fact that you are not turning to God, you're not thinking about who God is, and you're not thinking about all the promises God's given you to claim. You see, fear lives and breeds in the mind. In the mind. We must learn to talk to ourselves about the victory the Lord promises that he will provide in our mind. You must think those kind of ways. Not talking about brainwashing, but I am talking about washing your brain with the power of God's word. Some of you, you're away from this book. You're not washing your brain with the power of this word, and the enemy will literally brainwash you with his lies and deception. And you are falling for his tricks again and again and again, and you wonder why you're living with so much anxiety and so much fear. Ooh, these are powerful truths. You're looking into the heart of David, who's writing a psalm about how he, he's learned all the fears, all the challenges David faced. Let me tell you, we're going to get into them in a second. They were intense. They were much greater than what you're facing. Probably. I can't say that 100% because I don't know everything about your life. But you're going to, you can compare in a little bit. We're going to talk about some of the things that David was facing. I'm just saying, there are a lot of things, intense things that David faced in his life. Third step to overcoming fear, talk to yourself about the one you should seek, verses 4 to 6. Let's read this first of all, then we'll take it apart. David says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. From the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me at his sacred tent. That's, he's speaking about the tabernacle. 
I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Now, question. Are, is there something right now, again, picture for me a fear in your life. Something of fear. Now, let me give you three words that will deliver you from that fear. It's this. Seek the Lord. Don't nurse the fear. Seek the Lord. It's impossible to be afraid and seek the Lord at the same time. You can nurse the fear or you can seek the Lord. You cannot do both. If you seek the Lord, that fear will dissipate. You see, we, we fear because we try to handle life's challenges alone, by ourselves, apart from the Lord. This is why we fear. And isn't that what happens? Just be honest. A situation arises that causes us to fear and we fear. And then we say, where are you, Lord? Where are you? And then we realize, if we're honest, it's not that the Lord has left us. It's that we haven't been seeking the Lord. We, in a sense, have become distant from God. We have cut ourselves off from his presence and his power and his assurance. And then we wonder why we're afraid. So let me ask you a question. Do you think David would have been afraid of Goliath? if David decided to face Goliath in his own power. David would have been terrified, shaking his boots, just like all the Israeli soldiers, if David had not been seeking the Lord. But he's like, yeah, I can take this giant in my own power. Are you serious? He would have been freaking out. What about us? There, Every single one of you have a Goliath that you're facing, a giant that is causing you to scream out in fear. Are you trying to face that Goliath in your own power? No wonder you're struggling with fear. The antidote to fear is seek the Lord. Now let me put it into a principle. Fear is overcome when we seek the Lord in the worship of the Lord. In, watch this, his holy church. This is the principle that we see from literally what David, you take these verses 4 to 6, and you make them into a timeless principle for us today, and this is what's going on. So let me explain to you what I mean by this. How many times, and I can illustrate this for you right now, and some of you are going to go, amen, Mark, this is what has happened in my life. How many times have you been in God's church, worshiping with God's people, raising your hands to Almighty God, and in that worship of God, God gives you power, he gives you hope, he gives you courage in exchange. Amen? Amen? This is what happens. This morning, I'm in the front row, third row back, hands up, worshiping God. And in that, I'm getting strength to overcome my fears. Yes, I, some of you just don't believe I, I deal with fear. I know that. It's, you come up to me, it's very humbling and but I, I need to share with you, I struggle with, there's times of intense, overwhelming fears that I deal with. A lot of times, yes, it's in foreign countries. But what gives me courage is the worship of God, seeking Him, losing myself in the Lord. How many times have you gone to church, or you've been right here in this gymnasium, and you've heard exactly what you, what you needed to hear from the Word of God as it's being preached and you got the courage you needed to face something in your life. That's because you're seeking God. You're with God's people. You're hearing God's word. This right now, you're here. Or you're watching on video. You're seeking the Lord right now. 
and one of the benefits of seeking the, the Lord is you get courage in exchange. I've never heard of a courageous, fearless Christian who doesn't absolutely worship God on Sundays, who is not passionately committed to the worship of Almighty God on Sundays. That is a priority for their life. It's the pattern of their life. You see, God has given us seven days a week. One day a week should be a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That day given to seek the Lord, worshiping the Lord in His presence, and in, in, in the glory of God within the context of His people. It's powerful. Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You start giving up meeting together, you're going to start fearing. Anxiety is going to well up. But the Bible says encourage one another. You know the root word of encourage is courage? You get courage when you're with one another. You see, the church of Jesus Christ is the house of courage. This gymnasium, it is the court of courage. Courage comes when you receive the word of God preached and you're seeking God in your soul as you're interacting with God's word. Just as the cowardly lion. Remember he went to Oz? Why? To get courage. One of the benefits of worshiping God in, in his church and being with God's people is courage. It infused to our, in, into our very souls. Let's go a little bit deeper in this. Let me give you four brief guidelines on seeking the Lord in church. I want to share, this, this is David, but I'm, I, the more I study this, I'm like, this is what I do every Sunday. I'll just be a little honest with you. I am, I am up front because I do not want to get distracted. If you can sit in the back, praise the Lord, and not be distracted and worship the Lord, great. I'm in the third row because I am very pretty much hyperactive guy. And I, I, I don't want to be distracted. To me, one shot a week I get to worship the Lord. Worship is very important for me. One day I'll do a series on worship here. But look what David says. He says, one thing I ask of the Lord. This, is, this only do I seek, verse 4. One thing I ask, pray to the Lord. Part of your worship should be prayer. Coming to meet God when you worship him. Lord, prepare my heart. I want to hear from you. I want to give to you. I want to praise you. Praying. And then it says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Dwell means to settle in, block out distractions. When you go to that sanctuary, are you dwelling? Are you Have you made that seat a place of worship? You're blocking out distractions. It's you and God. Yes, you're with people, but it's a beautiful moment of worship. And it says, all the days of my life. That means be consistent. All the days. I mean, if you're worshiping the Lord, you're missing Sunday after Sunday. You are going to struggle with fears. And you don't do it just to get a, you know, have victory over fear. You do this to worship God because he's worthy. But, but I see David is seeking the Lord all the days to gaze on the beauty. Gaze. Pitch. When you gaze at a picture, you know, you get lost in that picture. I've not worshipped until I've gotten lost in Jesus. Jesus is all I am here for. Jesus. I want to get lost in my worship of Jesus Christ. And the more those songs are vertical about Jesus, not about man or woman, the more I am into worship. Songs drive me crazy. 
when they sing about us. There's too much us. It should be all Jesus. I know I'm a little bit radical. You know me, okay? I'm sorry. But there's too much about me and mine. No, 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 no. Worship is about Jesus exalting him, getting lost in his glory and majesty and power and wonder. And when I can do that, oh, man. This is the church of Jesus Christ all over the world that is facing persecution right now. And when I'm with them, hands are raised. They're praising Christ. And there's power and courage, and it's awesome. Let me give you five benefits from seeking the Lord in worship. When you really engage in worship, verses 5 and 6, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe. Safety will be given to you. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent, David said, protection. And set me high upon a rock, that's elevation. Verse 6, then my head will be exalted above my enemies. That's exaltation, victory over your enemies. And then at the end of verse 6, I will sing and make music to the Lord. I'll sing with shouts of joy. You're going to have joy. So how do we overcome fear and become courageous? Talk to yourself about the one you should be ever seeking, especially in church. And as you come to church, as you come to worship, come the way David did. You'll experience what David experienced, and you're going to receive the benefits that he experienced. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 14, 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. When you worship the Lord, this is what the Lord's going to say to you in your heart. In that situation in your marriage, at home, at work, finances, your health, the Lord will say, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. You're seeking me. It is I. And the Lord will give you courage. Matthew 6, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, including courage, will be given to you. All right. Time for you to talk. <laughs> talk about this. Of the three steps we've looked at so far, all self-talk, which of these three steps most speaks to you about overcoming your fear and why? Talk about that at your tables. <clears throat> okay, long enough. Let's keep going. No. <laughs> Go talk. Okay, so we are talking about five steps for taking that area of fear and actually becoming a person of courage. And in all of these five steps, four out of the five, you need to talk to yourself. There's things you need to talk to yourself about because God said, do not, do not fear, and he's told us how. We need to talk to ourselves and learn what he's taught us. Some of us just haven't taught ourselves how to overcome fear. But then there's one of the steps that you must talk to God about, and that's what we're going to talk about now. Number four, talk to the Lord, not yourself now, but to the Lord about all that is in your heart. So let me ask you a question. What is your greatest fear right now? Question, have you told the Lord about it? I mean really told the Lord about it. Have you? Watch this. If you keep your fear to yourself, it will only grow. We fear because we tend to bottle up our fears. We, we, we fear because we tend to conceal our emotions and confine our thoughts, watch this, to ourselves. We're not giving it to the Lord. I mean, have you ever had someone play a joke on you and they've given you like a shaken up Coke can and then you open it and it sprays all over you, you know? You've never done that to someone? Come on now. Watch this. We can become like 
that pressurized Coke can. We can like bottle up all our fears and all that, and, and, and it's all welling up in our heart and it expands, and eventually that fear can take over your entire life. You know, the one thing that's always challenged me about David is his brutal honesty before God. Sometimes I think he's on the borderline of going too far when I read the Psalms about how honest he was with God. But that is why, I'm being honest, I struggle with fear more than David. David did not live like I do at times, pondering my fears, contemplating my fears, bottling them up, nursing my fears. David was the master. I don't know how he did this. I think it was just his faith in God. Was, he had such a big God that he would reveal his fears to God quickly, giving his fears to God in total honest prayer. David flat out gave to God his fears. He turned over his fears to God. He surrendered his fears to God in kind of like a spiritual catharsis. You know, when you a catharsis is a time you have with a friend that you totally trust, you can tell them everything. I mean everything. Not a shred is left. Are you like that with God? If you want to overcome fear, you've got to become like that with God, like David. I mean, listen to David as he literally just gives to God his burden of fear in verses 7 to 12. God says, hear my voice. David is saying, hear my voice when I call. So this is David speaking to the Lord now. Be merciful to me and answer me, Lord. My heart says, do you seek his face? Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper all these years. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Then he starts talking about his fears. Well, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes. For false witnesses, they rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. Do you see what David is doing? Do you see what he's saying right here? He's saying, Lord, I have some problems. I have some oppressors and foes and false witnesses rising up against me. People are gossiping against me, spreading lies against me, malicious accusers. God, I'm not going to internalize those things. Those problems, Lord, not going to, you know, just let them sit, sit there. I'm giving them to you, Lord. I'm surrendering all that to you, Lord. I'm asking you to be merciful to me and deliver me. Be my God. Be my rescuer. Lead me on a straight path. See, fear is overcome when you and I give to the Lord all that is in our hearts. Fear is overcome when you and I cast all our anxiety on the Lord. Not some, all of it. So have you done that, lady? Has God brought you here this morning, or are you watching this on video right now? And this is the moment for you, where you just, you've, you've forgotten that you have the privilege and can surrender everything to the Lord. First Peter 5, 7, cast all, not some, all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And this is what David is doing right here. You know, it's interesting, a lifeguard, they're trained to save someone only after that person has given up on saving themselves. You know, God wants to do a miracle in your life. He's not going to do the miracle and take that fear until you've fully given up on trying to solve it yourself. Some of you are so full of pride 
It's actually pride that's driving you to hold it. And God, like a loving Heavenly Father, who's the creator of the universe, who has all power and might, is saying, just give that to me. I am big enough to take it. And I want to take it. Give it to me. Give me that load. You're not meant to carry that child. Let me carry it. I'll be your strength. I'll be your light. I'll be your savior. Like David, we need to talk to the Lord about all that is in our heart. And some of you, it's a spiritual thing. You need to right now give to God that fear. He will take it and he'll replace it with his peace and his courage. That's what he does. It's called his grace. Fifth step to overcoming fear. You go back to yourself now. Talk to yourself about your need to wait patiently on the Lord. Now, one of the biggest reasons we fear is because we are so impatient. Now, let me explain what I mean by this. Picture in your mind one of the things that causes you to fear. Maybe it's a bill. Maybe you know, that you owe or whatever, or a relationship, or an appointment, or a person, or a situation. Now, watch this. Has it occurred to you that God might have, just might have, a divine purpose for allowing that thing to come near your life? Do you think God is actually permitting this for a reason? You see, we fear because we think we need the answer, the solution, the remedy right now to relieve our fear. We want our problem to disappear now. And we often fear because those things remain. If that person were to just die, <laughs> I wouldn't fear, for example. I mean, that's crazy, but that's sometimes what we think. God knows, however, that if you remove that obstacle right now, it would be the worst possible thing that could happen to our lives. See, God knows what he's doing. God's working out a bigger plan for your good and his glory. Our job is to be patient. Most scholars believe that when David wrote Psalm 27, he was anointed king of Israel, but this was before he assumed the kingship. In other words, this was during the years when his father-in-law, Saul, was trying to kill him. This is why earlier I said, I doubt that you have faced anything like David. David was literally being pursued by armies to be killed, literally incinerated. And his own father-in-law was seeking to do that to him. And it's clear that David has this in mind, some of these intense problems. You look at verses 10, though my father and mother forsake me. He's speaking about his father-in-law, Saul, who should love him, trying to kill him. And then he talks about his foes and false witnesses, malicious accusations. There were thousands of people trying to kill David. Think about it. What if God allowed David to not be chased and hunted by his father-in-law, Saul? David would have become king earlier. And David would, though, in becoming king, never have developed the character that David needed to become the greatest king of Israel. See, God is accomplishing in the midst of our circumstances that we always don't understand a purpose that we can't even imagine. David could have, had a, he could have allowed his problems with Saul and others to produce fear in his life, but David needed to learn to not fear even when Saul was hunting him down. Now listen to this principle. Fear 
is not overcome with the elimination of that obstacle, but when we remind ourselves that God is in control and his timing is always perfect, and I just need to remain patient because God's going to do something amazing for my good and for his glory. I just need to be patient. And David was reminding himself, I don't need to fear. My God's going to come through. Things are going to turn out for the good. Right now, it's crazy and difficult, but I'm not going to fear. I'm going to trust God. That's what David is saying to himself. Look at verses 13 and 14. David ends the psalm by this amazing statement. He says, I will remain confident in the midst of all of these obstacles. I'm going to remain confident. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God's going to come through. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. He's speaking to himself. He's reminding himself. God has a plan. I don't need to fear. It's just a matter of time. God's going to take care of those problems. He's going to come through for me. Be confident, David. You're going to see the goodness of the Lord. I'm confident of this. Right now, I don't see that goodness, but I'm confident in God's time, if I remain patient, I'm going to see God's goodness in my life. And verse 14, wait for the Lord, David. Be strong and take heart. Be courageous. Wait for the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. A breakthrough for your life, David, is just around the corner. Picture the thing, the number one thing that most brings you fear. Got it? Now, picture that thing as the number one thing that God is using to bring about something great and amazing and good in your life that is for his glory. That is how you overcome fear. You see that area of fear as something God is permitting to do something amazing in your life, and this is the story. You study any character in the Bible that brings God glory, that is used of God greatly, this is always the story of their life. Johnny Erickson Tata. If you know that name, you know what she dealt with. You know the paralysis, what God has done to her because she faced it trusted God and is still trusting God. There are so many stories that could come to mind. I know you would know them. Talk to yourself about the need to wait patiently upon the Lord. Could I just say this? The next chapter in your life, it hasn't been written yet. In your mind, in God's mind and in his divine plan, Psalm 139, it already has been written. God knows what he's going to do. Don't check out on God. Be patient. You don't need to fear. All five of these principles work, principles work together. Trust that God's doing something great because he is. He knows the next chapter. And I'm confident you are going to get there. Okay. I've talked too much. But I've got an amazing conclusion. So I want you, though, to I'm going to tell you a super cool story in a second. But would you talk about these two principles we've just looked at here? Of these final two steps... To overcome fear, which one of those two most speaks to you and why? Take a moment, talk. Okay, so where do you turn when fear paralyzes your life? I pray that you'll turn to Psalm 27. These are principles that you can't learn in one setting. These are principles you need to meditate on, think on, allow to seep into your soul so that you begin functioning this way in light of your fears. I think it took David many years to come to the point where he could live so courageously by 
mastering these steps. And forever are we reminding ourselves of these steps. So, I want to read you a story right now. Max Lucado is one of my favorite. This is from the Applause of Heaven. Remember when you were in school and the teacher would just read stories to you? I used to love that. I love that part. So, sit back. Let me read you a little story and make a great point for you to go out with. He was a professional thief. His name stirred fear in the desert wind as it stirs the tumbleweeds. He terrorized the Wells Fargo stage line for 13 years, roaring like a tornado in and out of the Sierra Nevadas, spooking the most rugged frontiersmen in journals from in journeys from San Francisco to New York, his name became synonymous with the danger of the frontier. During his reign of terror between 1875 and 1883, he is credited with stealing the bags and the breath away from 29 different stagecoach crews. And he did it all without firing a shot. His weapon was his reputation. His ammunition was intimidation. A hood hit his face. No victim ever saw him. No artist ever sketched his features. No sheriff could ever track his trail. He never fired a shot or even took a hostage. He didn't have to. His presence was enough to paralyze. Black Bart, a hooded bandit armed with a deadly weapon. He reminds me of another thief, one who still is around. You know him. Oh, you've never seen his face either, but you could describe his voice or sketch his profile. But when he's near, you know it is in a heartbeat. If you've ever been in the hospital, you felt the leathery brush of his hand against yours. If you've ever sensed someone was following you, you felt his cold breath down your neck. If you've ever awakened late at night in a strange room, it was his husky whisper that stole your slumber. You know him. It was this thief who left your palms sweaty after you went for that job interview. It was this con man who convinced you to swap your integrity for popularity. And it was this scoundrel who whispered in your ear as you left the cemetery, you may be next. He's the black bard of the soul. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your diamonds. He won't go after your car. He wants something far more precious. He wants your peace of mind. He wants your joy. His name, fear. His task is to take your courage and leave you timid and trembling. His modus operandi is to manipulate you with the mysterious, to taunt you with the unknown, fear of death, fear of, fear of failure, fear of God, fear of tomorrow. His arsenal is vast. His goal, to create cowardly, joyless souls. And by the way, Black Bart. Turns out, he wasn't anything really to be afraid of. When the hood came off, there was nothing to fear. When the authorities finally tracked him down, they didn't find a bloodthirsty bandit from Death Valley. They found a mild-mannered druggist from Illinois. The man the papers pictured storming through the mountains on horseback was, in reality, so afraid of horses, he rode to and from his robberies in a buggy. He was Charles E. Bowles, the bandit who never once fired a shot 
because he never once loaded his gun. Any falsehoods in your world? Any false fears in your world? See, as believers, we really have nothing to fear. Fear, it's really in the mind in many, many ways when God is your God. But we're human, and we all face fear. And when you face fear, I just pray that you will turn to Psalm 27, and you remember and integrate these five principles. Talk to yourself about who the Lord is. He is your light and salvation and strength. Talk to yourself about the victory your Lord will provide. Claim His promises. They are there for you to claim. Talk to yourself about the one you should seek in worship and praise. And He'll turn that into courage. And then talk to the Lord about all that's in your heart. Don't store that fear away. Give it. Surrender it fully to God. And then talk to yourself about your need to wait patiently on the Lord. God has a plan. The final chapter has not yet been written. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. You say, do not fear. But we do. We're human. But thank you for your word. Thank you for these steps that any of us can follow. David followed. Led to him being courageous. Would you take a moment? Just talk to God. What is it you need to just talk to him about? Just from your heart, talk to your Heavenly Father right now, then I'll wrap in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for letting us have this moment of just quietness to come to you, our great God. I pray, Lord, that you would take these fears and replace them with courage, step by step, as we follow your word. All God's people said...